0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the silk with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Monday, everyone, and we've already done the whole post game spiel, if you think about it. Steelers lose in Thursday Night Football, so we talked about that on Friday, and here we are Monday with that stinking feeling still in our guts. I mean, if you think, every time I watched football this weekend, I watched more NFL football when the Steelers didn't play than I have in a long time. Very entertaining games, good stuff, fun to watch, but man, it's just every time you're watching something, I always, and maybe this is just me, but I have a feeling that my ride-or-die crew out there is just like me. And that is I'm watching teams that are just running up and down the field. Players are wide open, and I keep on thinking, that never happens for the Steelers. They never have people that wide open. They never are able to move the ball at ease like that. And I understand that there's always extenuating circumstances and things of that nature. But still, the Steelers are 1-2. and They're heading into Week 4. And everyone still has that bad taste in their mouth. It's no victory Monday. This is lousy. Not only are the Steelers, let's say you go to work today, Monday, and your friends and coworkers are talking about all the games that the Steelers played on Thursday. And they, and they lost, and they lost to the Browns. And, oh, gosh, it still stinks to this day. Stinks to the high heavens, if I'm being honest. But let's get started with some news on this show. The news is not really related to the Steelers outside of the fact that let's recap the AFC North action, the games, that how they went down. So we know that the Cleveland Browns beat the Steelers. That's two of the four teams. What did the other two teams do on Sunday? The Baltimore Ravens beat the New England Patriots in New England. It was a big win for them, moving their record to 2-1. and one. And Cincinnati beats the New York Jets at home and that's their first win of the season. So the AFC North rankings, here's what they are, folks. Believe it or not, Cleveland, first place with a 2-1 record. Why? They have a division victory. They're the only other team outside of Pittsburgh that has had a division win. So they then are in first place. Baltimore is 2-1. Pittsburgh is 1-2. And, and why? Because they have the head-to-head win over Cincinnati, who is at the bottom of the basement, 1-2. and two. Now, I wanted to take a look at what's coming up for these teams. We all get caught up in the grand scope of the National Football League. We all get caught up in wondering how do the Steelers look compared to this team or that team, or what do they look, how, how do they compare to them? Well, the problem with doing that is that the only thing the Steelers really have to worry themselves with is the division. That's really it. And there's fans that will say, "Well, Jeff, but yeah, if they get out of the division, they make the playoffs. They have to compete against these teams. That is the epitome of putting the cart before the horse." You have to just get out of your division first. So I'm looking at the division. Just went over the rankings. Here's who they play next week. So Cleveland, number one in the AFC North right now. Entering week four, Week four, a trip to Atlanta. Not so shocked about that. Eh, it's kind of there. Baltimore, they're at home. M&T Bank Stadium, they host the Buffalo Bills. That's going to be an electric game. We know Pittsburgh hosts the New York Jets. And the Bengals, this is going to be interesting. They have a short week. They go to their Thursday night game. Against the Miami Dolphins at home. It's going to be, Miami's coming off that huge win over the Buffalo Bills. That is going to be interesting. This division could be tossed and turned upside down on its head more than once. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, woe is me, the Steelers are one and two, they're done, stick a fork in them. No, they're not. Yes, the Steelers have tough games ahead. So do all of the division teams. This is not a given. Trust me. Let's take it week by week, and in this week, we have the Steelers hosting the New York Jets, who lost to the Cincinnati Bengals this Sunday. We'll talk about that game on Wednesday and Friday. There's something else I want to get off my chest here, and it's the title of the podcast. And I do know that in the second half, I am going to have a guess. It's, I brought Jeremy Beth back on. Jeremy was not able to join me last week because of the Thursday night game, so I brought him in. I wanted to recap some of the things that happened last week. You'll hear all that in a special All Bets Are Off segment on Monday. So that's coming up in the second half. But for the first half, I want to talk about change. I want to talk about change. You know, whenever I hear the word change or someone talks about change, I think about Rocky IV. Rocky Balboa just beats Ivan Drago over in the Soviet Union, and he stands there bloody, he's a bloody pulp. And the Russian announcer has the microphone in front of his face. And he goes, tonight, I've seen a lot of change in you's and the way you feel about me and the way I feel about you. And I'm like, oh, it's just change. It's what I think about. The Steeler fan base is essentially feeling like Rocky right now. They want change. They want to see change. They want to experience the change. The change the Steeler fans want, though, can only come from one place. Very important that we mo- that I say that. That's the title of the podcast. The change the Steelers fan base wants can only come from one place. But let's not go through this in a hurried fashion. Let's take our time. Let's break this down. Change. Change. Why change? Well, we know that the product that the Steelers have been putting on the field the last three weeks is not up to snuff. It's not up to the standard. Mike Tomlin says, ad nauseum, the standard is the standard. Well, what we've seen is not the standard. and So fans want change, but why change just to change? I get it. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly expecting a different outcome. So if they do nothing different, then yes, that would be the epitome of idiocy, the epitome of just being downright stupid. But why change? Why change? You can't just change for change's sake. That is a slippery slope and that never really works out for anyone. So, changing for no reason, that's not going to cut it either. So, why change? You want a change that is going to be impactful, a change that's going to make the team better, a change that can lead to more wins. So, if you listen to the fan base, if you follow the fan base on social media, They've all talked about changes. And my favorite are the Tomlin ones. Fire Coach Tomlin. This guy sucks. And I've heard someone say, great leader, horrible coach. All right, that's fine. I've said it a million times on this podcast. You are entitled to your opinion. But if you're being honest with yourself, there is no way. No way. I mean, 0% chance that Mike Tomlin would ever be fired in season. If Mike Tomlin gets fired at any point during the 2022 season, I will go to the Potomac River, which is not far from our house, here in Maryland, and I will, in the middle of the winter, I will go head first in. I will do that if Mike Tomlin is fired during the season. It's just not going to happen. That's not a change. It's going to happen. Okay, so we got that out of the way. You might hate Mike Tomlin, but you have to understand, too, that they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Next is Matt Canada. Get rid of that bum. He stinks. Can't call plays. Okay. Not necessarily disagreeing with you, but at the same time, is that a realistic change that's going to happen? Is that a change that would be in any way, shape, or form conducive to winning? Who are they going to bring in otherwise? Mike Sullivan? I don't know this, but Jeffrey Benedict on his podcast last Tuesday said that Mike Sullivan had a horrible tenure as an offensive coordinator in the National Football League, so you want to replace one bad play caller for another bad play caller. Nah, not too crazy about that. I don't think Brian Flores is out there calling plays, but then again, you never know. He did coach for New England at one point. Seems like they all do whatever. So I don't even think the Matt, Con- Matt Canada, Matt Canada is not going anywhere. Maybe they would strip some duties from him. That's a possibility. But I don't think that change is happening either. So if it's not going to be from the coaching staff, and I don't think there's any other coaches that are being targeted like those two are, if it's not going to come from the coaching staff, well, is it going to come from the team? All right. What changes could happen on the roster? It could be, are people calling for Cam Hayward to be benched? No. Why would, no, you're not doing that. What about Minka Fitzpatrick? He only had the one interception. He didn't have any interceptions last game. What the heck? Well, what's going on with him? I'm sure there's someone out there that's saying that, but those of us with a logical brain in between our ears, we're not saying that. I mean, are, are people calling for Chris Wormley to get more starting snaps? If they are, I'm not hearing that. I'm not reading that. What about the offensive line? That's another position where everyone kind of seems to be always upset with that group for whatever reason. Oh, Dan Moore stinks. Chooks core for Get rid of these bums. Do you want to see someone like uh, Jesse Davis, who is the trade acquisition? Do you want to see him in there over one of those guys? I don't. I've read the film rooms. I've seen all the breakdowns of him. I don't want to see him starting. Okay, do we want Kendrick Green in there at any position? No, no, the answer is no. So then the next next logical follow-up for those people that just, they desire, they crave change like an addict does. Well, let's go out and find someone on the open market. I'm sorry to break this news to you folks. If you are someone that wants the team to go looking on the outside to bring someone else in and that's your answer for the woes that ail this team, There's a reason why that person is on the open market heading into week four, whether it's injury or whether it's, they are too old and they're over the hill, or maybe they just downright stink. You want to bring that person in? Eric Fisher. I don't even know if that guy's still available. I've just heard his name so many times. They should bring in Eric Fisher, the tackle. So here comes a guy, brand new scheme, brand new team. Everything's brand new. And they're just going to thrust him into the starting lineup, and it's going to miraculously better. It's no, it's not. It's not. You are living in a fairy tale land. If you think that's going to make a positive change and impact with this team, it's not going to happen. So then it comes down to, and you finally start to pinpoint that if the, if there's going to be a change that's going to appease the fan base and could potentially, keyword potentially increase their chances of winning and increase and improve the product that we put on, see on the field every Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or whatever other day of the week they play. It would be a quarterback. It would be a quarterback. That's the most logical change. And it's the, the most important position in professional sports, more so than a goalie in hockey, pitcher in baseball, you name it. It is the most important position in, in professional sports. So bench, benching Mitch Trubisky and putting in Kenny Pickett would be the easiest, but would it be better? That is what you have to ask yourself. If you're someone that's clamoring for change, would putting Kenny Pickett in after this short break, would it be better for the team? That's what this comes down to. Would it equate to more victories or an increased chance of winning? I don't, honestly don't think any of us can give an honest answer based on the fact that we haven't seen it in the regular season. There's been inklings we've seen in the preseason. And also in the preseason, it doesn't help that when when Kenny Pickett got into the game, and I don't care which game you were talking about, the, the play calling looked different. The plays themselves look different. And people will say, because I've said this before, both to people in person, both on social media, I'll say that everything just looked different. And they always say the same thing. Oh, well, that was probably because they have their little the the picket package. Like it's the Kenny Pickett package. This is the plays that he runs. What if those plays work? <laughs> what if what if those plays are, are Matt Canada's bread and butter? If what Kenny Pickett excel, excels at is what Matt Canada wants to do and wants to accomplish every time they're on the football field. I don't know that. I honestly don't. I can suggest that that might be the case, but I don't know that for a fact. No one does until he gets a shot. And so I know that Mike Tomlin, he's just not the type of coach that's going to pull the rug out from underneath a guy. He put up with a lot in 2019. And let's remember that he probably wouldn't have bounced between Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph had it not been for that nasty concussion against Baltimore at Heinz Field in, I think, week four or five of that season. If Mason Rudolph was healthy, he would have been the quarterback in L.A. when they played the Chargers, and he would have continued to be the quarterback, and I don't think he would have benched him without that injury that got Duck into the lineup. So everyone wants to go back and point to that and say, well, Look what he did in 2019. he he benched Mason Rudolph and put in Duck and then he took Duck out and put Mason in. The whole thing could have played out differently for Mike Tomlin if Mason Rudolph wasn't literally knocked out in that game against Baltimore in Pittsburgh. So I don't foresee a change in this change happening anytime soon. When you look at the Steelers schedule, it's it's not easy. Leading up to the week nine bye week. I mean, when you think about it, so this week four, the Steelers host, we all know, the New York Jets. All right, that's a winnable game. Then they go to the Bills. Then they host the Buccaneers. Then the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. And they finish with the Eagles. We talked about this on Friday that the Steelers' season could be spiraling out of control by the time the bye week gets here. And maybe that's when the Steelers turn to Kenny Pickett. And they say, okay, you're going to have the bye week and you're going to come out of the bye and you're going to host the Saints. Then you're going to host the Bengals. Then we're going to go to the Colts, go to the Falcons. Then we're going to host the Ravens, Panthers, Raiders, Ravens, and Browns. It's an easier stretch than, believe it or not, coming off of this mini bye week. I just want to make sure, and this is something that I've, I want to see Kenny Pickett for a lot of reasons. I want to see what he can do. I want to get the answers to these questions that I have. Is he the better option? I want to see it from my own two eyes. I don't want to take anyone's word for it. I want to see it. And I also want to see if the Steelers have their next guy. I do think, and this is an article that Dave Schofield wrote, a very good article on Sunday about how a lot of people, would they be so up in arms if it was Kenny Pickett out there and struggling and not Mitch Trubisky? I don't think they would be. He's a rookie. He is potentially the future. You give him a longer leash, you realize that mistakes will be made. So, The Steelers set themselves up for this when they drafted Kenny Pickett. They set themselves up for this when they did not have an open quarterback competition before the season. It was all Mitch Trubisky all the time. They set themselves up for this. So it's going to be interesting to see how Mike Tomlin plays his cards, but i got to be honest with you all. If you're someone that is just craving change right now, I don't think you're going to get your fix this week. I would be stunned. If you get your fix this week, we know it's going to come down to one position. It's going to come down to one player. That's KP eight on the bench. We're getting ready for his chance. So I don't think you're going to get it this week unless there's an injury. And if that injury happens, maybe Kenny Pickett pulls a Ben Roethlisberger. No, not that he gets the team to the AFC championship game in his rookie year, but he gets his opportunity and never relinquishes that. No one talks about what it would have looked like for big Ben. If, Tommy Maddox didn't get hurt, but if Charlie Batch didn't get hurt before him, and if Tommy Maddox were healthy in that week two game, leaving uh, the Baltimore game, the loss, would Ben have gotten his shot eventually? I don't know. Coach Cowher's job was made a lot easier when Tommy Maddox hurt his arm. I'm not saying that Mike Tomlin's praying for an injury, but if, if there was a way to ease his burden, meaning Mike Tomlin's burden, it would be if Mitch Trubisky gets hurt. Kenny Pickett goes in and he either plays well or he doesn't. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's potential. The change that we all want, it's not going to come anytime soon, in my opinion. All right. You've heard me talk enough. In the second half of the show, I've got Jeremy Betts coming up with the All Bets Are Off segment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. I had said on Friday in my Winners and Losers podcast that I might bring someone on on Monday to kind of talk with. Sometimes it's therapeutic. It's it's something that you have to do to kind of get yourself through these woes that the Steelers fan base finds themselves in. And I thought, hey, I didn't have Jeremy on last week, so let's have a second, or I guess a first All Bets are Off segment of this week. We'll have him back on in his normal spot on Friday. But Jeremy Betts, what's going on, Jerome? Well, it's
1: it's been a crazy week of, of NFL action, and uh, starting with the with the Steelers game that I know we were all disappointed in the result, but you know some things to take away, and I think we'll talk about that.
0: Let's. I, I'm someone that has always been one that, that we can always draw positives out of every situation, and it might be difficult at times, but I do think there were some positives drawn out of that Week Three loss in th- on Thursday night in Cleveland. What would be some of those? that they maybe you want to mention uh i think the offensive line getting some push in the run game
1: um 4.7 yards of carry looks really good especially after some of the numbers that we've seen from the uh run game in uh in the past uh, last year and then early on this year i think uh if that portion of the game becomes something that the steelers can rely on fairly uh regularly then that helps the entire team because obviously you're keeping the defense off the field longer when you have the ball. Um, And then you're able to control the game from uh, a creativity standpoint as well, being able to implement some play action and things like that, where we have seen that Trubisky is probably at his best on some of those play action rollouts. And so I don't know if it, you got to stick to it. Obviously we didn't see that happen on Thursday in the the running game. And uh, so you got to stick with it. But uh saw some pop from that O-line and from Warren and uh, Harris that looked really good.
0: Yeah, the, the running game is a really good point. I'm glad you brought up that average, which, you know, the 4.7, that's a that's a good number, especially for Pittsburgh, a team that has struggled to run the ball and not have their average boosted by some big run. They didn't get that big run, but still it's worth noting. What about on the defensive side? Any positives you can glean from the performance? Uh, I, I think I... The biggest thing to me
1: is, yeah, that they struggled in in run defense for the second week in a row. Uh, well, really, the end of the Patriots game, they struggled in run defense, and then against the Browns. But you know, the Browns are going to try to run the football. There were plays to be be made by the Steelers anyway. But uh, I think the linebackers are flying around. I think Miles Jack is making his presence known. He's a, a force in the hole uh, to hit the hit hit the running back and um, Take out the lead blocker sometimes as well. Devin Bush uh, is playing uh, more physical. You saw some physicality out of him. So you know the defense kind of left uh, a bad taste in your mouth with just kind of death by paper cuts, right? Uh, against Cleveland is kind of how it felt, and they just couldn't get that stop when it was necessary. Couldn't get off the field when it was necessary. So that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But overall, those two guys are are playing pretty good football, and uh, n- not the reason necessarily that the Steelers uh,
0: lost okay let's play the blame game everyone loves the blame game and everyone loves to pull the trigger and point the finger at Mm. one particular person for whatever and we're going to do this on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball on the offensive side of the ball this can be coaching staff included let's keep that in mind let's play the blame game who are you blaming not just for the week three loss but for the offensive woes in general throughout the first three weeks, who is to blame, Jeremy? Man, it's a it's a tough question. It really is, and uh, I hate to point
1: fingers too because you you know you want the team to be successful, obviously, and and you can see aspects from both sides that or from all sides that have some some good parts to it. But for me, it's just it's Trubisky not not being on the or not being able to see the field in a way that takes advantage of some of the concepts that I believe Matt Canada is putting out there for him. Uh, Obviously players are running routes to the middle of the field, right? And we're seeing, we saw four targets to the middle of the field. I think if you look at the next gen stats from week three and uh, I believe all of those came, if not on the final drive of the game in the fourth quarter. And so, you know, only in crunch time were they looking towards the middle of the field. And I think that's on Trubisky. He likes to get out of the pocket a little bit earlier than uh, he probably should. And yes, the Steelers have guys to win on the outside, but I would say that, you know, you've got a guy like Chase Claypool and a guy like Pat Fryermuth lining up in the slot a lot. Those are matchup nightmares in the middle of the field that you're not taking advantage of. And if you, if you have some presence in the middle of the field, that's only going to open things up for George Pickens. So to me, it's, It's Trubisky uh, not being able to see that and and make the plays down the middle of the field in the intermediate passing game.
0: Okay, so you put the primary blame on Trubisky, and that's fine. There's going to be a lot of people that agree with you 100%. have a couple follow-up questions to that being your answer on the offensive side of the ball. The first one is, do you think we've seen the very best of Mitch Trubisky? What are we seeing through three weeks? Is this as as good as it's going to get, or do you think it could get better? I think it could get a little
1: bit better. Um, I don't think he's going to be uh, by mid season, you're going to see, you know, a a, a world dominating quarterback or anything like that. But I, I would say that, you know, we're three games into a young season and you know, I would just expect that as he gets comfortable with starting in the NFL again, I mean, it's been, it's been a couple years really since he was the guy somewhere and the sealers are giving him that opportunity. Uh, and you know, it just seems like everything's a struggle for him. Uh, we're looking at the at the stats, and we're like, man, he's just struggling to even get to 200 yards passing and and struggling to get the ball to the open guy. We're, we're seeing that as well. But, you know, I think he can get better, I think, as he uh, gets to know the offensive line and gets to know uh, Matt Canada a little bit better in the in-game play calling and the, the style that they want to run the offense. I think it can get a little bit better, uh, but I don't know if it's necessarily enough for the Steelers' offense to – elevate beyond the lower half of the, of the league.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now then my next follow-up question is, is so if you blame Trubisky as like the number one guy in your blame game, mm. where does Matt Canada fall on that? And do you put any blame on him as a coordinator?
1: Yeah. I mean, I absolutely do. I think that the total abandonment of the running game in the second half was a big reason why the Steelers had those uh, three and outs uh, just because Najee Harris gets one yard on first down doesn't mean you just stop running the football, and that's something that I think he gets he gets scared, and he's like, "Well, I've got all these weapons on the outside. Let's let's uh let's throw to him." Trubisky's not making those plays, and we saw the receivers a couple times. I'm not saying Trubisky's the only one to blame. Uh, the receivers dropped a couple passes. Deontay Johnson, I think uh, about. um, But one of the things that I you know, I'm like, is this a Canada thing or is this Trubisky reading the field? It's like we've been begging for the Steelers to throw deep a little bit more, right? But not on third and one, you know, not on third and one on these 50 50 balls down the sideline. That's just that's bad management of the field and bad management of of your down and distance. And so second and one, yeah, by all means, go do that. But third and one, get the get the chains, get the sticks. And I think that that probably lies with Canada a little bit. Um, you know, calling a, a route concept that pushes somebody up the field like that on third down and one, maybe not the best idea.
0: To me, there is such a fragility with this offense. Yeah. They cannot withstand negative plays. And if it's no gain, that's one thing. But a, a negative play, tackle for loss, five yard penalty, yeah. they are just not able to, at least not right now to overcome that. I think back to, this was during the Todd Haley era with Roethlisberger at the helm. There were times where it could make up five yard penalty, third and 15. That's fine. They'll still get it. They, they yeah. have a really good chance of converting. Now it's a third and 15. You're thinking they're, we're going to need a, we're going to need right. a miracle. We're going to need a miracle to see this thing get converted. And that's just the way it is. And when you have a team that is that fragile and I, I, don't, I shouldn't say the team that an offense that is that fragile, yeah, it's a challenge. It is a challenge to go out and try and play perfect football. And that comes to the play caller, too. He's trying to call a perfect game because he knows he calls a wide receiver screen because he thinks it's going to work against this specific defense. They've been putting out there. It's got to be executed,
1: right? You got to have the
0: blocking scheme together. Friar Muth in the offensive line, which is typically Chooks of for on his side. He's more athletic. They have to get out get those kickout blocks. It just doesn't work too often. Just such a fragile group. But I agree with you. Trubisky is to blame for a lot of these issues. Canada is to blame as well. If you want to say one, a one B that's fine. There's blame to go around. Right. My next question, before we go to the defensive side of the ball, a lot of people are now kind of, I guess you could say contextualizing the Kenny Pickett era beginning and when it should begin. And my thing is, is the Steelers can't change just to change. They need to change. If they really honestly feel that Kenny Pickett gives them a better chance to win. So my question for you is do you think that Kenny Pickett, in all honesty, gives him a better chance to win right now heading into week four? Uh,
1: another tough question, Jeff. You're hitting me with some, <laughs> with some good ones today. Um, but, I mean, my personal opinion is, yeah, I think he does because I think that he see, sees the field better than Trubisky does. I think yeah. he's not afraid to to throw passes over the middle of the field. He, I think the offense would open up more with him behind center because he has the uh, he has the wherewithal about him, whether that's mentally or he just knows that he can physically, uh, with his accuracy and, and timing, get the ball to the middle of the field. Whatever it is, maybe it's a combination of those two. He just seems like he's so confident back there, and that is one thing I have not seen out of Mitch Trubisky yet. Today, it looks like Mitch Trubisky is like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? As soon as he gets the snap. And that's been a problem. And so, uh, you know, the confidence aspect is something that Kenny Pickett has shown in spades throughout the preseason, throughout his final couple years at Pitt. And uh, I just think that he, w- he would come in and provide some, some stability in, in the huddle. And so I think that they could be better. I think that the change would be beneficial to the Steelers, not just... Uh, you know what? We've seen enough. Let's let's just switch it up. I don't know if we'll actually be better, but you know, let's just give him some playing time. I don't think that that is the philosophy that should be uh, preached. If they go to Kenny Pickett, it should be this guy gives us a better chance to win because I think he does.
0: Yeah, it it could be a spark. I, I want to yeah. make. I think fans need to realize that as well. Is if they were to go to Kenny Pickett, and if they make that call, and I don't think they are. But if they were to do that, I think, I think that could be a little bit of a spark and that doesn't mean it's going to lead to a, a, a run of the AFC championship game. a lot 2004 with Ben Roethlisberger, not saying that at all, but it could be a spark and it could be the start of something new. We shall see. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We're still playing the blame game. The Steelers defense is not perfect. Who's to blame. What do you got?
1: I'm going to go with an, like an area of the defense and I'm going to say it's, it's run defense. Uh, not getting enough stops on first and second down in the run game to put your yourself in a position where you can make uh where you can pin your ears back and go after the passer, where you can, uh, you know, play, play coverage uh, on the outside and, and stop guys. And I think the got, the Steelers have the players uh, in the secondary to stop opposing passing attacks. If the, if they're not having to worry about coming up and, and helping and run support. So, uh, you know, the front seven, being better in, in first and second down specifically in the run game, that's been their biggest problem so far. And um I think, you know, you got, if you look back at the Patriots game and I don't remember the exact stat, but the, in, on the last drive, the Patriots had no more than a third and four on every, uh every set of downs going in into that last drive. So they're just letting the, the, the offense moved the ball on them on first and second down. And it puts you in a bind as a defense uh, on third down when you want to get off the field.
0: I TJ Watts injury is, is a yes. huge loss. I said this on Friday. I'll say it again here. I cannot say though that, okay, TJ mm-hmm. Watts loss Yes. Defensive player of the year. We all know that, but you can't have that fall from grace just because one yeah. guy is out and he's great. I'm not taking anything away from TJ. Watt. if anything, this injury is proving how great he is. And the yes. fact that I haven't won a game and, two years with him not in the lineup, but is there one player in particular when you talk about the front seven and the run defense that you're thinking, man, they can be better. Like they could play better than what they're doing. Is there a player that stands out to you in that regard? Not
1: necessarily. I think it's a unit as, as a whole, but one of the things that when you talk about TJ Watt not being in there is, you know, his ability to, uh, track down ball carriers from the backside is also elite. Uh, you see him pursue and tackle from the backside and prevent those cutbacks all the time. And I think Jameer Jones and Malik uh, Reed—they're just—they're not up to par there right now. So if I had to pick somebody, I would say, you know, maybe the the replacement guys for T.J. Watt on the end, not being able to to make a as big a push and and work the the back end of the play as well. You know, it's a it's a big aspect of T.J. Watt's game is that he affects every play doesn't matter down or distance because he's such an uh, a well-rounded talent on the edge and pass in the passing game he can get out in the flat and we've seen him intercept uh line drives right in his face you know in the flat uh we've seen him bat passes we've seen him in coverage on uh guys like uh Travis Kelsey down the field <laughs> you know and yeah. making a play on the ball um so you know remove him and you've got guys that you know maybe Malik Reed's good as a rotational pass rusher but the reason he's not a full-time starter in this league is because he doesn't play as well on first and second down right he's yeah. not going to be as good a, a, of a player in run support and i think that that's probably where the blame goes some of these replacement players not being able to to uh stick their assignments and and win one-on-one on the outside and and make that cutback either not an option or be able to run it down from the backside.
0: And it's really unfair because they're being compared to TJ Watt. right? (laughs) You're talking about an elite player in every facet of the word and every facet of the position in the game and the defense. And then you're thrust into that position where it's like, Oh, Malik Reed, just go do this. TJ Watt does it all the time. Like, you can make that play. No, not many people can make that play, uh, yes. to be completely honest. All right, so normally I have you on for my Friday show, and I do my heart-to-heart to finish up the show. This is Monday. There is no heart-to-heart or anything like that. Jeremy, I'm going to give you the opportunity now for a little commentary to help Steeler fans. You want, If you want to talk them off sure. the ledge, you can talk them <laughs> off the ledge, or if you want to talk them further onto, onto <laughs> a ledge, you yeah. can do that, or you can tell them to jump. I don't care. That's up to you. You sure. have the soapbox. Go ahead.
1: Well, I, you know, I think the, the first thing I would say, and one thing that I've been trying to, you know, just reconvince myself of uh, over the weekend and and everything is that this is a Mike Tomlin football team and they're, they're not going to be they're They're not going to be a a bunch of chickens running around with their heads cut off all season. He's got too much experience. He knows how to, to motivate his guys and you know, are there some things that kind of frustrate you about Mike T every now and then? Sure. Uh, understand that completely some in-game decision-making and, uh, you know, maybe a lot of fans clamoring for Kenny Pickett are like, why can't you just see that this is going to be better for the team overall, you know? And so, but I think patience absolutely back off that ledge a little bit. We've got the jets coming up. You get the jets, you get back to two and two, the bills lost over the weekend. The AFC is just a, a crazy place. The chiefs lost over the weekend. Um, Anybody can win any given Sunday and TJ Watt is coming back, right? His, his, uh, uh, his time on IR ends after uh, I believe Buffalo, maybe the week after that, I can't remember for sure, but in any case, he has a chance to, to play sooner rather than later. And uh, if he's healthy and gets back on the field, this defense changes. We saw that in week one, how absolutely violent they are as a defense and how it changes the course of the game. And uh, so I would say the Steelers have a winning formula for this year. We saw it in week one. And, uh, you know, maybe with TJ Watt coming back, they can get back to that and save themselves a season.
0: We shall see. Jeremy, thank you for stepping in on the Monday show. We're going to have you back on this friday if want to you tell people where they can find you on twitter and stuff like that
1: absolutely follow me at the bets 93 on twitter t-h-e-b-e-t-z 93 and uh you can read my stuff on the website as well and then don't forget to check out the steelers fix for uh fantasy football insights and then just andrew wilbar and i given some of our insights on uh college draft prospects and um how the steelers can improve and and uh get better this season as well so uh, just a lot of fun talking on the steelers fix and uh Hope you guys tune into
0: that. Yes. Try to fix the Steelers, please. Okay. (laughs) Um, That's it for the Monday show. All my rider die crew be on the lookout for that tweet on Tuesday, which will come out. I don't know. Morning time, which is about the mailbag. You want to ask a question. You have questions. I have answers. You respond. I will answer every single one, no matter how long it takes me. So make sure you look out for that. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-N underscore P-I-T. Other than that, that's a wrap for this Monday show. Hope you have a great start to the week. It's a new week. Let's start fresh. Good mindset, positive outlook with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. I will see you on Wednesday. My candles burning bright. I sleep three to four hours
1: every night.